You're listening to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, episode 245. Hey there, you amazing human, and welcome to the Angela Henderson Online Business Show, the podcast that is designed for female entrepreneurs who want to make more money in a way that is in alignment for them. If you're looking for practical advice, proven strategies, and expert insights to help you navigate the challenges of growing your business, then you've come to the right place. Welcome, my friend. I am your host, Angela Henderson, a proud Canadian living in beautiful Australia, and I'm a business coach, consultant, and strategist who has helped thousands of women around the world build successful businesses. Through solo episodes and interviews with successful business owners, industry experts, and thought leaders, you'll get insider insights into what it takes to succeed in today's digital age. Whether you're struggling to scale your business, looking for ways to boost your productivity, or seeking ways to overcome the challenges of being an entrepreneur, this show has everything you need to succeed and more. So subscribe, pop your headphones on, and get ready to creating the business and life you deserve today by allowing the Angela Henderson Online Business Show help you create a winning strategy, develop the right mindset, and build lasting wealth. Well, hey there, you amazing human, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Angela Henderson Online Business Show. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped women around the world make more money by creating a personalized business strategy and mastering their mindset so they can create a business and life they love and want to show up for every single day. Welcome back, you amazing human. I hope you've had a great week, no matter where you are in the world. Today, I'm bringing on the amazing Claire Siever from Eating Your Cake 2, who's a career and leadership coach killing it in her industry. We're going to chat about how she left the safety of her career to creating a side hustle and now on her way to hitting a $500,000 a year. She's going to share her ups and her downs as she transitioned and give some insightful guidance to growing a business. So make yourself a cup of coffee, pour yourself a cup of tea, or even grab that wine bottle. It's five o'clock somewhere, my friend, and let the show begin. Welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Oh my goodness me. I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I mean, you've been in my space for a a while now. You worked with me inside of the mastermind and I, I had to bring you on the show because you're just all levels of awesomeness. You've got this amazing positive attitude, both in business and life. You are absolutely rocking it in the leadership space. And so I'm just so glad to have you here. So welcome, my friend. Thank you very much. And it was it was honestly one of the best things that I have done joining that mastermind. So even though I feel like I was one of the naughtiest students, it has still <laughs> been one of the best things I have done. Oh my goodness. We'll talk about, again, what you define as naughtiest, but what I define as I actually, well, actually, we'll just talk a little bit about now and then we're going to get into, do you know what I mean, how you're on your way to $500,000 a year and the pros and the cons and the challenges and ups and downs of that. But in your eyes, you're like, and I didn't use the mastermind as much as I could have, or I've only did it, but that's the beauty about the mastermind, right? Is that it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. You get to pick and choose what parts you like and what not even what you don't like. It's just more about what you need on that particular day. Similar when you go to a buffet, I need eight desserts versus the roast beef for the day, right? <laughs> and so, but I think, Claire, it's it's just an important fact because as business owners, when we buy a course or we go into a mastermind or we do one-on-one, there's this notion of I have to do absolutely everything or I'm not getting my money's worth, right? And so tell me a little bit or tell the listeners a little bit about like why you felt it was naughty, but really you got exactly what you needed and you were right on time. Yeah, I think, I guess the reason I joke about being naughty is (laughs) is because I think you, you know, when I joined and I hadn't done a mastermind or, or anything sort of like that before, 
And, and, you know, when you go through the onboarding process and you get access to the portal and all of those things, I just sort of saw the sheer volume of, of stuff in there. And I thought, holy shit, like, I'm so not going to be able to get through all of this. And it was, I think, you know, I look back now and I'm like, well, it's not there as a tick box exercise to have to do everything. It's more about what are the, the parts that you need the most in order to be able to drive success forward in your business. And so Mm -hmm. I think sort of the longer that I was in the mastermind for uh, and the more time we spent together, et cetera, et cetera, I was able to really just tap into the parts of the mastermind that I needed the most. Mm -hmm. But what's, what was great about it is just having, you know, for different people who are who have different ways of learning Mm -hmm. or get motivated in different ways, it's, you've got sort of all those areas covered. So the group, the group conversations, the self-paced learning, the one-on-one stuff. But I, I joke about being the naughty student <laughs> because I know that I missed um, probably a fair fair portion of the group things. Um, but where I just absolutely feel like we smashed it was in a lot of the one-on-one stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we will chat about that a little bit more, but it's always good because again, I think we put so much pressure on us, but yeah. again, we, even when I t- have taken courses in the past, I'm like, Oh, I only got halfway through the course, but I believe I got exactly what I needed. Whatever that lesson was, don't buy another course again, Angela, or maybe I only <laughs> needed to hear the first two modules, whatever it is, is yeah, I think we get exactly what we need. So, all right, cool. So today, today we're going to talk about how you went pretty much from career to side hustle and then on your way to a $500,000 year in revenue. But before we get started, I always like to ask a fun question to my audience in order for them to get to know you a little bit better. So my fun question to you is, as I know you traveled to Europe last year, what was the most magical part of that vacation? Oh, you know, shout out to my husband because that whole vacation was incredible. I have to be honest and say, I didn't really do anything to contribute to the organization (laughs) of that holiday. And he just nailed it. But I think Oh, the part that I continue to come back to when I close my eyes is sitting in Tuscany in Italy, drinking an incredible bottle of wine, looking out over the vineyards um, in this beautiful old villa that we were staying in. And that Mm -hmm. was just one of the most incredible experiences that I've ever had. And so would you go back to Tuscany or is it one of those places where you're like, we had the memory, it was magical, it stays ingrained in me, but it's like, I would try something different. Oh, no, I would go back there in a heartbeat. There are so many places to go. And if you love wine, like I do, then (laughs) there is never not a reason to go there. (laughs) All right. So Tuscany, it is, my friends. I always just love hearing what people love about different places. So no, thank you for sharing that. Now, the audience obviously might not know who the amazing Claire is, career and leadership coach. Take us back a little bit to what was your career? What did you move into a side hustle? And how are you now on your way to the $500,000 a year? Yeah. So my, uh, I guess my corporate life, I spent sort of 15 years or so in the corporate space and predominantly in sort of HR based roles, people and culture, communications, that sort of space Mm -hmm. um, for a variety of different industries. Like I have, um, I've done the fly in, fly out, um, working in the dusty Pilbara up in Northern Western Australia, all the way through to working with designers and product developers in the fashion, e-commerce and retail space, tech and sort of everything in between. And one thing that really stood out to me in my corporate career was that the industry might change that you're working in, the products or the services that you're selling in whatever company you're in might change, Mm -hmm. but human beings at their core 
are the same. They mm-hmm. want to feel heard, seen, noticed, and valued. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, once I got, I, I wasn't one of those people that, particularly in my my most recent corporate role where I was sort of the executive GM for people and culture for quite a large retail business that was based in Melbourne or is based in Melbourne, I was never one of those people that woke up every day and hated my job. Mm -hmm. Like I thoroughly enjoyed my job. Mm -hmm. I loved the people that I worked with and I loved my team. But I started getting more curious about, you know, when you're having your best days, what are the kinds of things that you're doing and when Mm. you're having those days where you're like fuck this what are the kinds of things that you're doing and that just led me to start getting a little bit more intentional around what might it look like if I started Mm. um, leveraging some of the skills and the strengths that I have and focusing in the spaces that I really enjoyed and so Mm -hmm. that led me basically to start pursuing a, a coaching pathway and and I went and got sort of formal qualifications in that space whilst I was still working Mm -hmm. full-time and the beauty of that was that I was able to like try and test a lot of the things that I was learning back in my workplace Mm. Um, and then once I got those qualifications I just put myself out there a little bit more and um, started doing some coaching career coaching on the side and then in 2000 it was about 2019 I really got my first big uh, big gig as such, mm-hmm. which of all the places was for an international client in uh, Greece, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which basically required me to take leave from my kind of pretty hardcore full-time job to go and do this overseas with them for a couple of weeks and then come back and run the rest of it virtually. Mm. And I did that, all of the imposter feels, all the things that we've spoken about, can I do this? Who am I to think that I'm able to pull this off came up um, and it was an incredible learning experience and it really led to the the fire in the belly to keep mm-hmm. wanting to turn that side hustle into something more. And long story cut short, my husband and I, when I got back um, from this trip towards the end of 2019, I actually resigned from mm-hmm. my corporate role, decided that, and my husband and I actually also decided we were going to leave Melbourne. So we packed up our lives, we sold everything we had and we basically resigned from our jobs. Oh. Um, yeah. And then, and our plan was to take 2020, 2020. Good old off, 2020. <laughs> good old 2020. To take 2020 off to travel the world. Mm-hmm. And we did that. And that is probably another podcast topic for another day. <laughs> that went. But we did that. And I basically then kind of ran my business Um during COVID, but also from the roof of my car, from Airbnbs, from a tent, from all of these different experiences and grew it over time. And then when we came back to Perth, which is where I'm now based uh, and got a little bit more settled, it really just went from strength to strength and the work that I get to do now, which is primarily supporting uh, women and primarily supporting sort of corporate professional women um, drive the careers and the leadership that they that they are capable of and that they deserve. Uh, and once I got really clear on that and got really cemented in who I am and what I stand for, the, the business has just gone from strength to strength and we're now looking, staring down the barrel of a $500,000 revenue year. 
Yes. I mean, how good is that? I know when you first start working with me, you're like, Angela, I want to hit the 250. I'm up for 250. You're like, I think you said something that I can do this or I've done this or we're there. And then you're like, you kind of push the best mark 400. Then you're like, nah, fuck it. We're going 500 end and we are well <laughs> on the way. And it just goes to show again that when you've got clarity and understanding about who you serve, what you serve, again, you attract the right people, right? And we'll talk more about that in a little while about some of those challenges that you had about getting clear and, you know, moving from that one-to-one model to a one-to-many model and things like that. But for those people out there who are still in the day job, still working maybe part-time, full-time, running the side hustle, trying to get that, you know, go to growth stage to scale stage. Like I get it. I work full-time as a mental health clinician myself and juggling two kids. Like it is real, but there's like this fire in your belly. So my question to you is, how scared were you when you were like, I'm finally going to take the leap? Like, I'm just going to take the leap. Were you more scared? Were you more excited? Were you more nervous? Were you shitting yourself? Mm. Like, what was that for you? I think, look, I think I'm a very unique case when it came to resigning because when I was resigning, um, it was really to, I knew that it was to to go sort of balls to the wall uh-huh. with my business. But I also knew that we were taking this year off in 2020 to go and travel. So mm-hmm. I sort of had, when I resigned, that that was what I led with when I resigned. And that, and that was the truth as mm-hmm. well. And I had sort of been saying to myself, and may, look, maybe in hindsight, it was a uh, managing my own expectations tactic. Mm. But I said to myself when I resigned, um, you know, if I don't make anything in 2020, I'm okay with that because 2020 for me at that time was about the traveling the world experience. Mm -hmm. And that was the focus and that was the priority. And then anything else that came was just an, an added bonus. So I felt total excitement, to be honest, because it was such a, like, there was not one element of my life that wasn't changing when I resigned. It wasn't just the, the, you know, corporate to business piece. It was Mm. like, you're leaving your home. You've sold everything you owned. You're taking a year off to travel. Like it was all of the things all at the same time. Mm. And I guess that goes into my next question about like, what were some of the challenges that you face when you kind of transition you know, really corporate side hustle and you're like balls to the wall. Did you face, I mean, obviously like, again, you were traveling around the world, you're having to do things intense, but was there also notion of a freeness and flexibility knowing that you got to kind of make your own day any, you know, your, your calendar was truly your calendar and your dreams are truly your dreams and no one was stopping you. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It was such a a different experience to have. And, and, you know, I will say with that as well, that when you transition from a hardcore full-time kind of corporate role, just any corporate role mm-hmm. where, you know, you might be Monday to Friday or your part-time hours, whatever you are, but they're kind of, you know, your nine to five or whatever it is. It actually, it's a very weird feeling when you then transition to be whatever you want to be. And it took me some time and I'll be honest and say I still struggle sometimes to get past the, ah, it's Tuesday at 10 o'clock. I should be at my desk. I should be working <laughs> sort yes. of headspace. And you almost like you think you're going to get into trouble if you're not plug, plug, plugging away at mm-hmm. what might have previously been your traditional corporate hours. And mm-hmm. so that's a real headspace sort of mind mindset piece that you've got to unlearn. Mm-hmm. So. 
that was definitely a challenge for me, for sure. And what were some of the positive things that you saw in business and life as you transitioned away from that corporate role and and fully going into your business? The integration of both Mm-hmm. And that, and 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 don't get me wrong, I, I am absolutely not perfect in this space. I don't think anybody is. Mm-hmm. But you just truly the ability to, if I don't want to do something today, I won't do it. And don't, mm-hmm. you know, not notwithstanding clients and 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 exceeding their expectations. But if you like today, for example, after this podcast today, I'm going to get my hair done. It's mm-hmm. a what day is it today? It's a Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I can just do that because. I run my own business and I have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously in a corporate role, that would have been so much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the beauty of that sort of flexibility has been just life-changing. Now we'll talk a little bit about that because the Claire that I knew when she joined the mastermind a little over a year ago would not cope well with going to get her hair done on a Tuesday, potentially, right? <laughs> because Claire, when I first met Claire, correct me if I'm wrong, Claire, um, it was the routine we had, our schedule was quite full. And one of the things that I spoke to you about is what can you do to take things off your schedule? And I remember the day I talked to you about this, you looked at me as if I was a fucking, like I was losing my brain. And you're like, what do you mean? I need to take more off my calendar. Like, I want to make more money. I got to do more. And I was like, no, 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 Claire, I want to challenge you to do the opposite. And I just remember you looked at me like, I thought, oh gosh, she's either going to hang up on this call or I'm not too sure because you you went really quiet. It was probably the quietest you went, but I could see that you were processing what I was saying. So it's, it's exciting for me as, as your coach, do you know what I mean? And I know we've wrapped up, but as your old business coach to know that like, yes, she's making that space because that was something that was really important to you when you Mm. came to me was making space to do things that you wanted and not allowing your business to consume you. So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, look, I remember that day as well, and and I I think probably the reason I was so quiet was because it hurt, and mm-hmm. and not you know it hurt because it was true, mm-hmm. and all of the best things that have you know really kicked me in the guts over my year over of my life have been when people have said things is because they've been true, mm-hmm. and I think. It, it it didn't happen straight away as you would probably also agree. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. It definitely, you know, we were, it was every time we would catch up, it, it would come back to very similar themes for me. Yes. Um. And, but I think having said that, I got a little stronger and a little stronger and a little better. Um, 100%. As the months, like as the months went by. And I also had more data to draw on and more proof of when I did make space for something or when I declined something, something better came along or something that was meant for me or, um, you know, something in my personal life would mm-hmm. would happen in it that was really positive. And so I kept building this data bank of all of the reasons why making space was the right thing to do. And so much so that, you know, as you know, my word for 2023 is space. Mm-hmm. And how do I you know, I've got this post-it note sitting on my desk right now. And it literally says like, does this create space for you or take space from you? And Mm -hmm. so all the decisions that I make in my business now are with that in mind, because I think that's really where I went wrong in those first couple of years. And again, we could argue, is it wrong or was the path that you needed to get you to where you're at, right? Because, uh, 
again, and, and what I like what you talk about there is like, you almost had to build that muscle. It's like going to the gym. You just don't have it pack a six pack. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you got to work to get the six pack, mm. you got to work to get the biceps. And that's the thing is often when women start working with me is, is we've just got to retrain. We've got to decondition what we've been used to doing, right? We're, we're told that our schedules have to be full and we need to mm. be hustling or we need to be doing this. Whereas I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like, how can we bring space? How can we be, be more intentional? How we create ease. Um, but because also, if you just think about our nervous system and how we're regulated, sitting in quiet, isn't necessarily easy for us sitting with nothing on our to-do list. Isn't necessarily mm. easy for us again. So we've also got to re-regulate our nervous system to be okay with the new, new, right. And it does, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's the world we live in today, people want immediate gratification. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it takes time, but also people will come to me wanting the next funnel, the next, you know, the next how to's, but sometimes the strategy is just being sometimes the strategy is just creating space. And because when you create that space, like you said, very beautifully early on, Claire, is that you allow the other better things to come into your world, right? You're not do you know I mean going against the energy blocks anymore, and things come freely and lightly. So no, so thanks for sharing that. Now, you came, you, like I said, we know that you left the career, you went into the side hustle, you did your traveling in 2020. Business started to grow quite substantially. And you knew it was time to not keep doing things alone. And you kind of reached out to me at that stage for a discovery call, uh, how I recall it. And it would be great for you to tell the listeners a little bit about how you decided to work with me at that particular stage. How did you hear about me? What were some of the challenges you were facing at the time before you hired me as your coach? Mm. Yeah, I when I, oh gosh, if I, all the years are blurry. But when I think back, I saw, I think I first sort of was introduced to you, Ange, through a workshop that you ran for Fusion Biz Co., which oh, is yeah. a, net, a networking group um, here in WA. And you were running like an online sort of virtual session, um, which I was like, yep, yeah, I'll give that a give that a crack. So I paid, I can't, you know, it was relatively low cost product, yeah. um, paid to go to that. And I just really enjoyed your vibe, what you sort of stood for. I got really practical insights from that workshop. And so I think that that was definitely the Kickstarter for me. And I had been looking like I'd been looking for some time mm. for a business coach. I had met with a few people. Some had sort of said, you know, I'm probably, and maybe it's because I was caught in the middle. Like I wasn't in that, you know, zero to six figure space. So a few people that I'd met with were, um, who, who were purely niching in that space or like, mm, you're probably not where I market. Yeah. And then, you know, a few others that I had spoken to, were just pushing what felt to me like a really just not authentic message around like hustle grind, seven figures only sort of vibe. And that, you know, just wasn't, it almost felt a bit pyramid schemey and it just wasn't my vibe. And then sort of when I met with you and we just had that conversation, I just loved that. It just was real talk. Um, you know, I think we were both on the call in our sweats and our like, <laughs> yeah. top top knot buns, um, just having a chat. And that was sort of really what I was looking for was someone that, because if you can't be, and I say this to, to clients, you know, when I do discovery calls with people too, if you can't be yourself in front of someone, mm -hmm. then you're not going to get anything 
out, well, not sorry, you're not going to not get anything, but you're not going to get as much mm. out of your interactions with them because you have to continue feeling like you have to put on a facade. Yes. And I never felt like that with you. I felt like I could just let my guard down and you would still challenge and provoke me because that's your job, mm. but it was never in a way that made me feel judged or unsafe. And I think that is the difference. Mm-hmm. No, that's good to know. And, I, and I, I'm giggling because as we were in our sweats and our top knot, you hopped on today and you're like, oh, Ange, um, was I supposed to be like, was I supposed to dress up for this? Because I actually showered today and did my hair. And the look on your face is if I was going to record the podcast today, when we normally <laughs> just you and I are rolling in in our hoodies. Oh my goodness. That's, I just had to say that because I was giggling. I mean, cause... you, you look great today. You're on fire today. I look like a troll. <laughs> And you're like, you're like, you're like, I could see the panic. You're like, are we, was I supposed to? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I've got a date tonight. We're good to go. But goodness, I was giggling because you're like, I'm so used to just rolling in this way. And you didn't pass me the meme about what I was supposed to do. So anyways, side note, I was just giggling with that. So now, obviously you did the discovery call. You felt like we connected, but you still had to like you, because I never make people sign up on the call. I'm always like, think about it, sleep Mm. on it talk to your partners about like, do whatever you need to do, because I want it to make sure that it's the right fit for you. So what was it that finally made you take that jump to invest where you're like, all right, I'm all in and let's go. I think it, cause it was the end of 2021. Like I think That's it correct. was like two days before Christmas. And I mm-hmm. think I, I actually remember I was just, I think I was lying on my couch one afternoon and I, and your email came, had come through maybe a day before and I, I was lying down, I was reading it properly. And I think I just said to myself, like, if, like, what's going to be different next year, Claire? What, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, as you know, this was the biggest investment mm-hmm. at that time that I had made mm-hmm. in and for myself. So this was a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I just like, like I lay there that day and I was like, if you don't, what are you going to do differently next year? You've mm-hmm. gotten as far as you can probably get on your own you continue mm-hmm. to to grow and, and do all of the things but it's probably going to take you far longer to get to where you want to go let's mm-hmm. give this a crack what do you have to lose and I remember I just pushed I think I just like put my credit card details in. I was like submit <laughs> and that was it <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's funny because and I don't know what you what your thoughts are but I believe the transformation occurs when the transaction takes place every time I've signed up for a, a $100 dooming thing to when I worked with my coach for $45,000 to whatever, like you step up a little bit bigger, you show up a little bit more, you step into that CEO or a little bit role a little bit more, you pay attention a little bit more, you show up to the calls a little bit more, right? Than before. And there's something beautiful about the transformation that occurs regardless of how big or small that um, transaction is. Now for you over the 12 months, obviously there's a bunch of different things, but what would you say was your favorite part working with me as your business consultant and coach? Uh, Definitely the one-on-ones. Like Uh I got, um, you know, and you know me by now, I'm just like, let's cut the crap and have real conversation. And I think like the one-on-ones just really enabled me to, to, get the things off my mind and my heart mm-hmm. that I needed to. And I also really appreciated your flexibility. Like I think you saw me quite early on in the piece and, you know, to the point where obviously we made some changes even into the way that we met so that we had mm-hmm. a little bit long, like less frequent but a little bit longer and stuff like that because I think you saw that those shorter sessions were almost causing me 
more stress because I felt like I had to ram so much in so quickly. Yeah. Um, and once we did that, I actually think things really flew from mm. there. So that was that the one-on-ones for me were definitely the, the biggest game changer. And it's interesting that you bring it up because obviously in the mastermind, you get an onboarding call and you get 30 minute one-on-ones plus the group and the live events and all that. But as a business consultant, my role is, is about, it's, this isn't about me. This is about you. And those 30 minutes, you are correct. Like, obviously everyone's supposed to have their 30 minute time slots, but I could see that it was almost like you were panicking, right? Like we would just get, you would almost just get on fire and then I'd be like, all right, time's up. So as a consultant, creating a customized strategy is really important to me. And that's why I believe people get the success that they do is I don't cookie cutter people, right? It's it's really about leaning into and having those conversations and learning about what the client needs. And I don't think everyone does that or they don't um, articulate what they need, right? Whereas you and I had a conversation. I said, would you want to try this? Would this be better for you? You're like, yes. And it worked, right? So if you're in any coaching role, whatever, never be afraid to speak with your coach or your consultant about how they might be able to work with you differently. I also work with people who have ADHD or depression or anxiety, and sometimes their memory doesn't fire off as things that we put other measures in place. It's really important to, yeah, when you work with someone to find someone who will work with you, your strengths and your needs. Mm, Absolutely. And that, yeah, once we implemented those changes, I just think things that things flowed so much more ease because there wasn't that pressure of like, get all these things out of my mind, out of my mind, in my mouth in the 30 minutes. Oh my God, I've only got three minutes left. Fuck. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But again, it's about adapting. It's about pivoting. And that's what we have to do in business almost daily. Now, since working with me over the last 12 months, can you share with the audience things that you've been able to put in place to move you from $250,000 per year and into your $500,000 year? I think the the biggest um I guess thing that I put it down to is was getting really clear on my value ladder. So mm-hmm. before we started working together it wasn't something that I'd stepped back mm-hmm. and thought about before. I just felt like I was doing all of the things. Mm-hmm. I was spreading myself too thin and I definitely or well I had reined back some of the services that I'd offered, mm-hmm. I was still like offering to do things that just because I can do them doesn't mean that I should. Like I left my corporate role because I wanted to get away from the parts of that corporate role that I didn't Mm. enjoy as much. Yet I had found myself in a position where I was still saying yes to that work. And so I think that sort of reining in the offerings, Mm. getting really clear on, you know, exactly like what will you do and what won't you do? So having a literally having a list of these are the things that I do, but equally as much writing, I don't do this. Mm-hmm. I don't do this. I don't do this was really powerful. And then the second part that sort of complemented that was then the value ladder. So then looking at what you now do do, mm-hmm. what how do you structure that in such a way that it's really clear who it's for, mm-hmm. but then also how a you know a client or a customer can move through your value ladder and so that ultimately led to then the creation of a couple of lead magnets which I didn't really have before I was just creating like fucking freebies willy-nilly and throwing Mm -hmm. them out there and doing nothing with them like we got really targeted with some freebies then some low-cost products which led into then um, an online sort of self-paced course that I've now created and we did a beta test a live beta test for that 
last year, the, now the fully self-paced version is about to go live, mm. um, all the way through to like the premium offering, which is now that one-on-one support with me. Whereas I think at the start of those 12 months, I was just taking on too many things and not taking on the right things. Whereas now I still, you know, a huge chunk of my revenue is still from the B2B part of my business. So Mm -hmm. going into organizations and running workshops and running leadership programs. But I now know I only need two clients like that Mm. to turn, you know, generate this much revenue. And then the rest of my time as such, I want that to be focused on those other offerings in my value ladder. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, Again, also, we looked at the different revenue streams, right? Where does the majority of your revenue come from? How many people do we have to get in if it's B2B versus B2C, right? Uh, And also, you were able, you were doing so much one-on-one that Mm. you also, you had thoughts of a course and being able to go to a one-to-many model, but then we're like correct me if I'm wrong, but how I um, perceived it was like, there was like this overwhelm, like, where do I start? I need a sales page. I need this. I need that. I need this. And I was like, well, hold on. I said, what if we don't do a sales page? What if we just write a couple of emails, throw it out to your email list and see if we get people. And you ended up getting, was it 10 or 12 people in the beta round? Yeah, we had about, I think we had like 27 applications for it. And then I took 10 through the beta and they were paid too. Yeah, exactly. But that was the thing is like, Mm. We were trying to eat an elephant whole, but when mm. we could, like spoke together and strategized together, we're like, no, let's just send a couple of emails out. Let's do do a couple of posts. Let's potentially talk about it on your podcast. And that's it. Like, let's not build all these other bells and whistles if we don't know if your audience wants it. And then they wanted it, they executed it, and you had a lot of good feedback. So now, like you said, this year, we're go- we were looking at before we wrapped up, how can we evergreen this to be mm. able to help more women in that leadership space, but without you having to give as much time away? Yeah, absolutely. And that's really the next the next step, which is um which is very exciting. And again, it just ties back into that space piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do you create products and offerings that in that create space for you instead of last year? Like as you know, I was so my one-on-one space was just out of control like it was yeah I had a bit wild it was a bit wild and you because you look at your calendar right sometimes and you go yeah I can fit those things but you don't you well I certainly wasn't thinking about the emotional and the mental toll that it takes on you as Mm. well and so that's something now that I'm very I'm, I'm much stronger in protecting my mental and emotional space because if you're going to be a coach to someone and you're there to serve and support them like you also need to be able to do that and when you are doing you know upwards of like 35 to 40 hours a week of one-on-one coaching like week after week after week after week it it's a lot it's going to wear and tear. And like you said, and then you have to hold headspace for all of those people, right? Yeah. And, and it does take a lot and it can be hard to disconnect. It can eat into your sleeping, you know, yeah. uh, it it can have a, a negative effect. So seeing you also over the last year move to that one to many model and also get really tight about that value ladder and that product suite was a, a huge thing. And I could see the relief once we started to put pen to paper and map things out on the whiteboard and things like that. You're like, okay, I, I felt like there's this notion that you could breathe again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Now, for those listeners who might be sitting on the fence and wanting to work with me as their business consultant and coach, what words of encouragement would you give them? I think you it's like anything in life, you get out what you put in. So, mm-hmm. if your if your plan for yourself and your business is 
really to be in it for the long haul, then start now because the you know you can only get so far alone and mm-hmm. that's been my my biggest learning you might you'll still get there but you'll lose so much time mm-hmm. so make your life easier for yourself and have a chat and then ask the questions you need to so that you can then make that call to move forward because no one will do it for you Mm-hmm. Well, no, one said, no one's coming to save you. And it's, uh, you've got to take responsibility for yourself and, and coaching. Like I, I always say is I will show up and I'll guide you. I'll support you. I'm well connected around Australia and the world, but I can only lead the horse to water. You still have mm-hmm. to take the action in order to get, and that's exactly what you've done over the last year. You, you enhanced your team, you enhanced your programs, you did your value ladder. And again, truly it's remarkable to see you be now on your way to that $500,000 year, which is so exciting because I'm all about getting more wealth into the hands of women. Now, my final couple of questions for you, my friend, is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Uh, probably, probably the thing, as I just said, no one will do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you, and I don't mean you can't outsource things, but no one will do it for you in the sense that you need to define and decide for yourself what business success is for you, mm-hmm. not what society says, but what it is for you, mm-hmm. and then go and make that happen. That's yep. probably something I really wish I thought about earlier. And I think that's really important because I think one of the conversations we actually had was, do you want a seven-figure business right now? Mm-hmm. And you're like, actually, no, not right now. You're like, I want to build my empire. You said something like that, but you're like, we also want to you know, get the systems in place and make things evergreen so that you can take time off and have a family. But the information we consume and the content we consume and all that is like seven figures, seven figures, seven figures, mm-hmm. seven figures. But what if you're happy with $100,000 or $50,000 and you get to go to ballet and do school pickup and drop off and volunteer at your kid's school? So I really like that you've brought in that up. It's about define success and what that means for you because not everyone is chasing the seven-figure dream and I think it's important that we acknowledge that yeah absolutely now for those listeners that would love to connect with you where can they find you my friend uh probably two best social platforms to find me on would be instagram at Mm -hmm. eating your cake two or i am very uh i'm on on linkedin as well under claire siever or i've also got a podcast uh which is called the eating your cake two podcast and we Mm -hmm. cover lots and lots of different conversations around career and leadership um and and that's whether you are inside an organization or you're just looking at to step back and reflect on sort of who are you where do you want to go and how do you get there dude i love it claire you're an absolute weapon and it has been so awesome uh yeah and 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 i'm privileged to be able to have worked with you as your business coach over the last 12 months and i just look forward to continuing to see you shine and i will be here cheering you on in the background when you hit that 500 plus year you're doing amazing things and remember that you are right on time and for those of you wanting to explore working with me to make more money and create a business you love showing up to every day make sure you head to angelahenderson.com.au and check out the different ways that you can work with me and last Lastly, my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode, which you can also access at my website, AngelaHenderson.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple so that you can be the first to know of all of our new episodes that are being released now that the new podcast is dropped. And I'd love for a review right? Uh, Podcasting, Claire will know this too. Podcasting, producing a podcast takes time and energy. So every review that comes through warms my heart and is a reminder to me about why I keep showing up for the podcast. But for now, you amazing human have an awesome day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again for another episode of the Angela Henderson online business show. Thanks again for today, Claire.
Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Angela Henderson online business show, www.angelahenderson.com.au.